Greetings, greenhouse people. Have you ever wondered why our industry moved from old-school mineral soils to the current soilless mixes used today? Do you have questions about new media components like microorganisms and mycorrhizae? Do you need help conducting trials of different substrates to determine if they're right for your operation? We're going to address these questions and many more in this episode of Tech on Demand, brought to you by Grower Talks, where our goal is always to bring you tips, tricks, and information to produce your best crops ever. Be sure to subscribe to the Tech on Demand podcast on your favorite podcast app, like iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and many more, so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and I'm very excited to be joined by Ed Bloodnick, Grower Services and Product Development Director at Premier Tech Horticulture, the company behind ProMix Growing Media. Ed leads the Grower Services team at Premier Tech, responsible for customer product support, training, laboratory services, and product trials. He's been at Premier Tech for 33 years, and before that was the GM of a 20-acre greenhouse operation, producing a wide range of crops, from annuals and perennials to nursery and seasonal plants. To say that Ed has tremendous technical experience in horticulture is an understatement. This is going to be a great podcast, and when it's done, you'll be much more informed about current media and substrate technology and why it's changing the game and creating tremendous opportunities for growers. Ed, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bill. Thanks uh, for having us here. For sure, for sure. So we were talking and getting ready for uh, for recording today. You took me through what was really an interesting history of soilless media, and you got into the ins and outs of why our industry adopted this new kind of substrate back in the 70s. And I, I found it really interesting, and I think that the listeners will too. So can you just give us a quick rundown of how it all started? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, you know, years ago, a lot of, you know, the growers, the greenhouse uh, operators used, you know, mineral soil. It was taken from farmland, you know, and they would have to take and steam sterilize it and, you know, be in mineral soil. It's based on, you know, it's mineral, so it's very heavy. Um, then you have to process it and it was either done with steam or some other chemical uh, like methyl bromide and stuff, which is not on the market anymore, of course. Um, and, you know, they had to then, you know, work through that and fill their trays and pots. And it was always really heavy, heavy stuff. So <clears throat> there was lots of different uh, work being done at universities at the time, whether it was Cornell, Texas A&M, Cal Poly, and they were looking at um, substitute type products that could be used for uh, replacement of, of um, the mineral soil, you know, because getting good mineral soil was always a challenge, you know, for growers. If you're taking someone off something off a of farmland, you inherit all those things if you, you don't sterilize it. So things like weeds and, you know, diseases. And, and if there's some corn there, there could be some herbicide, which again, you don't want that in your greenhouse. So, um, you know, they started looking at different things at the university and they found, you know, things like perlite, uh, vermiculite was used a lot and peat moss. Now, peat moss has been in, you know, a staple in the horticulture industry for a long, long time, um, you know, for over 100 years now. So um, back then, peat was found to be, you know, have some very unique properties. It's uh, fibrous, it holds water, provides some aeration. So um, <clears throat> each of the universities kind of worked with this and developed different types of formulations for growing media. So um, that's kind of how it developed in the case of, you know, for Premier, uh, Premier Tech, we, we started, uh, company started in 1928. We released the first uh, bales of ProMix in 1968. And it was really introduced as, you know, a replacement of, of mineral soil. It was a lot lighter weight. Um, it was predictable from standpoint, growers knew um, it was a, you know, 
predictable pH, predictable nutrient charge starter. And as far as the, the lightweightness of it, you know, being easy to work with uh, and predictable, growers could plant and they found they could ship a lot more plants on trucks. It wasn't heavy and consumers liked it too. So that's kind of how it launched and then developed to what we, you know, it's a lot different than we have today, but back then that's how, how it kind of started. I, I really think that that's interesting. I love uh, hearing stories behind main, you know, what what we would now consider mainstream. Um, I think that sets the stage well for our discussion because you talk about university collaboration, you talk about improvements to the the, the growing of the product, um, and I think that that's allowed for what we're going to talk about today. So, you know, our, our our topic is is the high tech nature of of today's growing media and specifically the added microorganisms that you refer to as active ingredients. So can you tell us why this is such an important topic for today's growers and I guess why Premier Tech is pursuing these strategies right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking about the mineral soil back when, you know, growers had to sterilize it and basically those uh, mineral soils are then void of any type of uh, beneficial biologicals. So we know that in, in a natural, you know, environment that we find certain types of microbes that are beneficial to plants. You know, if you look in the rainforest, there's different types of microbes and it's the checks and balance. Mother nature's ability to do this is remarkable um, to, you know, when plants, if we had plant disease that went across and killed everything, we have microbes that will counterbalance that and put them in check. So plants can benefit from that. So when we look at like growing media, um, unfortunately, when looking at mineral soil, that was being basically void of, of, of those microbes. But, you know, certain ingredients, let's say uh, we're talking about peat moss. Peat moss does have certain types of microbes in it, but they're not really in high abundant quantity. Um, other ingredients that have been introduced over the years, like, you know, bark mixes, we can't forget about, you know, bark mixes that were introduced for nursery and then later into greenhouse. Um, bark is composted. And when you compost, you, you know, uh, there aren't a lot of microbes to begin with because it's from the bark of the tree. Um, but as you compost it, you can get some microbes that can uh, develop in, in compost piles and can be beneficial, but they could be sporadic too, depending on how it's composted, how long it's composted. So there's lots of the interactions there with that that determines it what's are beneficial beneficial or, or not. So, uh, and other ingredients that are used in, in growing media, things like perlite, vermiculite, you know, um, you know, we see uh, choir or core uh, coconut uh, fiber that's used. Um, that's from the pith of the coconut. Again, it doesn't naturally have a lot of microbes there that are beneficial for plants. So what we did is we looked at some of these um, uh, cases where we had growing media had certain functions and then uh, having these uh, biologicals, which were basically void of growing media by adding those in large quantities to give enhancement for plants. And then we can go talk a little more about that. Right. And, and I think that, you know, you, you talk a lot about uh, um, being a little bit more predictable now. Um, and the fact that, you know, adding, adding these things in is getting back to, you know, what, how mother nature originally intended uh, a lot of this, this growing to be. So we think about these active ingredients, and I know you're going to get into a little bit more detail. How long have they been on the market or being incorporated into, into mixes? Well, I, I'm going to go back a little bit. Even in you know, the pesticide market, we have things like you know, Bacillus thuringiensis has been used for controlling you know, worms and things in, in, you know, for orchards and other uh, you know, plants uh, to control insects. 
Um, there's been other things that have been introduced over the years. And maybe sometimes we, we have some materials that are used. We don't really know why they're doing it, but they are beneficial. Some of them and other ones that have been introduced when some people would say they're snake oil. And that's, you were going back some years ago. So, um, you know, maybe it was always predictable. And that's, that was always a challenge with any type of biological or microbial uh, mi microorganisms that are added um, or used in, in, you know, horticulture and agriculture. So um, we started working on some of this a long time ago. We started our research and development center in 1983. And this is a research center dedicated uh, to producing uh, different types of uh, microorganisms. One of the things we first started working with was with mycorrhizae. Um, there's different types of mycorrhizae. We could talk a little more about that. And uh, we looked at lots of different things. We do have another uh, uh, group division that sells into the agriculture market. So there's different types of microbes that we, we produce, but specifically for, you know, um, what we do in the horticulture sector, we do a lot with mycorrhizae and with um, uh, biofungicide, which is bacillus. The other ones, uh, other division uh, works in those organisms, but also with um, rhizobium and some other types that are really specialized more towards the agriculture market. So um, basically we, we dedicated a, a research center to do this, develop those, and then take that technology and incorporate it back into growing media, which was you know basically on a very low level or void. So it gives some of the protection and enhancement for plants. So almost, you know, a little, almost 30 years, you guys have been working on this research. That's a, uh, that's a long time. I'm actually 40. Um, yeah. that, that's a long time. So I think, uh, this gives a pretty good perspective on, on some of the benefits you're going to talk about. So when you look at, I guess, the current, you know, ProMix formulations with the microorganisms and the beneficials that, that you've talked about, um, can you explain the, the different components? Um, what are they exactly and, and what do they do? Okay. Um, I'll step back. We, we have worked with mycorrhizae specifically in the growing media it was introduced in ProMix uh, originally in, uh, prior to uh, 2000. What we did back then was a little, in the culture of mycorrhizae, there's different aspects in how you produce that. A lot of producers and some today still do that. They grow host plants and they're grown on the roots of, of plants. The problem with that is that we learned this a long time ago, is that when you, you produce plants with mycorrhizae and chop those up and then you put use the roots to incorporate into the growing media, you can have some problems with your plants. If you don't recognize that your plants have some disease, you can then bring some diseases into the growing media, which is something we, we didn't want to do. So while we started, let's say in 83 in the research and development, you know, in the nineties, we, we looked at rele releasing that and we, we held off because we developed another method, which is an aseptic system, which is it's actually produced in a laboratory today, but there are some mycorrhizae that are produced today. It's grown on root systems of plants. And like I said, the challenge with that is you don't always know the population of mycorrhizae you're getting, but you can also bring along some undesirables. So that's why we, we don't do that. We we've gone uh, and we waited to, to uh, introduce that later, but when we introduced it, we also um, that was brought in, in the market uh, with mycorrhizae as a standard ingredient in ProMix in 2005. So I just want to explain the, the difference of the years because it takes time. This is not something simple. It's, it's uh, we're, we're actually, you know, Prima Tech is recognized in the uh, research com community for mycorrhizae development. So we've done a lot of work with um, USDA and some other um, groups and universities. So it took some time to do that. We also work with what we call a biofungicide, which is um, a bacillus, a bacteria. And that was actually introduced before mycorrhizae. Now, bacteria, they're, um, they're more uh, 
plentiful. They're a little bit easier to work with from the standpoint of uh, there's been a lot of work with bacteria over the years. So mycorrhizae are really a specialized organism, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit after. But with the biofungicide, we actually um, introduced that and were registered with EPA in 2003. So we introduced the biofungicide 2003, we introduced the mycorrhizae in, 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 as a standard ingredient in our products in 2005. But then the challenge was we had a lot of people, because these organisms do different things, mycorrhizae enhances the plant where the biofungicide um, is listed for suppression of specific uh, root pathogens, specifically Pythium, Rhizoctonia, and Fusarium. So we had a challenge now as many of our customers like those products, but they also wanted them together. And that's a whole nother deal because you have these two microorganisms and they 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 survive and grow in natural environments a certain way now you need to produce that and have that happen in growing media but you also need them to work together so we then introduced what we call our, our plus product or biofungicide plus the mycorrhizae that was actually uh included as a, a combination in 2012. so that's you know about nine years ago that we did that it's really amazing to think about all the research that went into the mycorrhizae and how you guys have learned how to, to produce that. And then also the biofungicide and then to think about how they, they work together. It's, um, I mean, that there's a lot of science behind that. So you talked about mycorrhizae and from what I know, there are different types to perform, I guess, different functions within the, the plant growth. So can you, can you dive a little bit deeper into mycorrhizae specifically and also explain how they're produced? I mean, you talked about how they're, they're, they're produced in a, in a lab. Um, some are produced uh, with, with plants, but um, maybe just jump into that a little bit. A little sure. Bit I mean, mycorrhizae have been on earth for more than 400 million years when plants started, you know, growing on, on in soil many, many millions of years ago, mycorrhizae were also there. Now, mycorrhizae are actually a, a, form, a they're, uh, form a symbiosis with the plant. What that means basically is you need a host plant and the mycorrhizae to work together. They rely on each other. So they're equally beneficial to each other in a symbiosis. So 95% um, of all the plants on earth form some association in, uh, with mycorrhizae in, in a natural environment. Now in farmlands that have been, you know, manipulated and pesticides and things, that's not, not so, but in, in a normal, uh, untouched environment, 95% of the plants, the, the categories, or I would say the, the different types of mycorrhizae, there's, uh, endotrophic mycorrhizae or endomycorrhizae, it's often called, which, um, form about 80 to 85% uh, association with the world's plants. So these actually, um, and I'll describe them a little bit after. So, so endo, um, there's ectotrophic, ectotrophic, um, mycorrhizae form associations with other types of plants like uh, pines and conifers, and they're more host specific with all these mycorrhizae. Um, ericoids, which we find uh, actually are very common in sphagnum peat moss, um, ericoids form associations with, uh, plants in the ericaceous family. So things like azalea, rhododendron, uh, pyrus, um, blueberries, things in, in that, uh, those, those families. And there's also uh, a more specialized organ, uh, uh, type of uh, mycorrhizae that forms association with orchids. So, um, and, and even within the category, the endo being the most, um, uh, the one with the most amount of uh, association with plants, 80 to 85% of basically seed bearing plants around the world. There's also categories and types within the endo 
they're, um, some of these are more host specific. So the type of plants and how they interact with them, there's some differences. So we, we did a lot of research in this and the, the um, you know, genus and species we work with is Glomus intraradices. It's a specific isolate that we found uh, and developed and we then produced that. Um, so as I mentioned, like uh, in the past, all mycorrhizae growth was typically done on, on, on plants because these are um, symbiotic uh, microorganisms, they need a host, they're specialized fungi. So you need to grow a plant in order to, you know, to have the mycorrhizae, you can't just put them on a plate and expect them to grow in a Petri dish. Well, um, like I said, inherently, you have some problems if you try to grow plants, if you're, and leek is typically the plant that's used a lot for, for growing of mycorrhizae. So these plants, you, you can have, you know, some problems with disease get in there and then you're propagating not only mycorrhizae, as I mentioned earlier, you could be propagating, you know, plant disease, which we don't want to do. Um, so we took a lot of time in developing a, a specialized system. I, I can't um, go in specifically how it, it's done, but it is an aseptic system that's done. It's proprietary. That's why I can't describe I'm sorry. Um, but it's something that's uh, done uh, by our company. It's produced we have a, a very large laboratory in, in Canada where we produce both the, uh, the bacillus as well as the mycorrhizae. Uh, they produce separately, um, but the mycorrhizae and the bacillus are both uh, aseptic, which means that there's no chance of having any type of you know, pathogen or any harmful thing that's in there. And it's what's unique about the mycorrhizae we produce is we also, in our products, we produce um, viable spores. Mycorrhizae can produce uh, can be produced in, in some companies will guarantee them as propagules. Now propagules are basically parts pieces, just like a plant. You have a plant that has seeds, has leaves, has stems, has roots. You could produce a plant from any of that, but your chances of producing a plant is greatest when you use the seed. You know, seeds germinate and produce more plants. Same thing with mycorrhizae. You can use hyphal parts, which are hyphae are structures that extend from the mycorrhizae and colonize. Uh, in, in endomycorrhizae actually colonize the root system of the plant. Um, you can have lots of different parts and pieces, but spores are like analogous to seeds and plants. Spores will germinate and they, you're guaranteed that these are, if they're viable spores, they will generate mycorrhizae, where if you have propagules, pieces and parts of mycorrhizae, they're not as effective in, in producing uh, additional mycorrhizae. There's so much more to this than I ever expected. No, there's a lot more. I'm sorry. I'm to keep... No, I know. I, I, I love it. I, I mean, I think that the listeners, uh, it's good to understand the, the science and, and the complexity behind this. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but um, are there differences between different mycorrhizae on the market? Because I know that, you know, if you pick up a trade magazine these days, you're probably going to find an article on mycorrhizae or go to conferences, um, you know, you're, you're going to probably find a, a session on it. And, um, and then, and maybe after that, when we were prepping for this, you used a term that was new to me and I'm kind of a word person. So uh, I, I, I picked up on it as tripartite. It's a, you got to explain this to the listeners because it really oh, sure. is a, an interesting concept. And I think it's, it's very important when you talk about um, what, what you guys are doing at, at Premier Tech. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, maybe start with what are the differences um, with what can be found on the market? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there are some of them and, it, and it's great that these are becoming available because like I said, in the past, you know, a lot of, we had a lot of different things on the market. And I think some of with this, the um, registrations in the state, this is also good because there are some, you know, um, um, 
awareness and also with the registration, there's requirements for a lot of these microorganisms that are showing up on the market. And it's not just mycorrhizae, I'm talking about you know, any, any other types, whether they're you know, uh, fungal types or bacteria or whatever else that enhances and helps plant growth. This is all good for the industry. Um, we know that a lot of people are sensitive towards uh, you know, chemistries today, um, you know, worker uh, protection safety, you know, consumers. Um, we don't like the idea of what's running out the back of the greenhouse if it's, if it's in the water all of those things. So I think we're, which is all good. I think we're more sensitive and the biologicals uh, do give us some other options for growers, but um, it's important to know that there's, there are differences between different types of microorganisms, the biologicals that are on the market. You need to find something that has a very good guarantee and um, you know, be sure that companies stand behind the products. Um, as I mentioned, there's different manufacturing processes and, you know, I would steer clear of, of types of products that say, well, it has, you know, five, 10 million of these and 2 million of those. And okay, well, how many million of each? I mean, it, it, the crazy numbers. And usually when you're dealing with microorganisms and bacteria, they are big numbers anyway. So it's going to be like, you know, five to the 10th power, you know, you're going to see big numbers on, on things. And um, the challenge is to be sure that the company that's producing these um, is delivering because you want something that's reproducible from a product standpoint and from a user standpoint, you want to know it's going to be able to do its job and deliver what the product, you know, what it promises. So, um, you know, like I said, there's different ones out there. I would look, um, you know, at the company's history, look at the different uh, type of materials that they're producing. And that's, you know, I'm not going to say, I wouldn't go as far as buyer beware, but you need to be a little more attentive to what you're buying uh, to be sure that it is reliable and the company should stand behind their product. You know, if they're saying it does this and that, you know, where, where's the, you know, proof in the pudding, ask mm -hmm. for some data on it, ask for some pictures, ask for some efficacy to be sure that it is doing what it's supposed to do and what the expectations are. Because while you're dealing with biologicals, they're not quite the same as chemistries either. You know, when we use, you know, things like pesticides, you're pretty sure, you know, it's going to take care and kill it. Biologicals, you still have, you know, an element of, of surprise sometimes because those products don't always perform the same way all the time because it's about environment, it's about populations, it's about interaction with other, you know, with pathogens and controls. So, you know, these things are very good from a preventive standpoint, but they're not, um, you know, well, you know, rated for curative where we look at pesticides when you get in your IPM program, you know, you see something, you spray it, you kill it, and you're done. Um, these are better from a standpoint of preventing things from happening. Um, so it, it's just, a, like I said, another way of putting things in the, in the grower's tool bag. They have another, another option to use different things. And it can be used in combination with a lot of these uh, other, other in an IPM program, using with chemicals and things. So um, you mentioned something about the, the tripartite association, and I, I do want to uh, cover that. And uh, basically what we have is um, you, you have uh, a plant, you have two other microorganisms. And what how this works is they work together. That's where the tri part comes from. Um, they work together in conjunction. So the mycorrhizae actually follow, uh, will colonize and uh, the root systems of the plants. The, the plant then gives back carbohydrates to the mycorrhizae. That's what they feed each other. And then the mycorrhizae then exchange, give water and nutrients that they provide to the plant. So they're exchanging. So the hyphae, it's a structure of the mycorrhizae, explore. They're basically smaller structures than root systems of plants. And they're able to maximize and explore and grab water and nutrients that normally wouldn't be available to the plant root system by itself. So these hyphae, as they explore, they also exude some carbon along the 
hyphae. The bacteria absorb this car carbon and they mul multiply along the way on the hyphae of the, uh, of, of the mycorrhizae. So um, the bacteria also uh, benefit the plant by suppressing the root pathogens I described. So you have this group of you know, mycorrhizae doing one function, giving back to the plant. The plant gives back to the mycorrhizae. The mycorrhizae have carbon. They release the carbon. The bacteria then take up the carbon and feed off of that. And then in turn, they also combat the pathogens for the plant. So the three working together. This is what we call a tripartite relationship. It's, it's so interesting and it seems so natural. Um, and I, I think it's great that, that that is a tool in the grower's toolbox that actually um, seems like something that, that the plant's gonna like and the uh, bacteria's gonna like and the mycorrhizae is gonna like. So yeah. it's, uh, it's like a win-win-win. Well, the bacteria actually liberate some uh, lipopeptides and some hormones. They actually produce a biofilm um, and it proliferates through the root hairs. And then what you get in turn is the plant protection and the stimulation effects altogether. So that's really at the end what happens with all three of these working together. So the plant's a better plant. Which is a perfect segue to uh, to one of, one of my last questions that I've got for you, which I think is really the, the, the kicker here is um, why these active ingredients that we've been discussing are so beneficial to growers and, and the plants. It's, you know, it's, it seems cliche to call them game changers, but when, when you, when you talk about the, the plant protection aspect and being a preventative um, for a, for a lot of problems down the road, I think the word is appropriate in this case. So um, can you kind of reiterate or, or go a little bit deeper into the benefits that, that can be seen from, from these microbes? Sure. Um, now, mycorrhizae, uh, mycorrhizae known to enhance uh, the growth of plants. So plants, there's a bunch of benefits from the standpoint of um, they do take some time to colonize the root system of plants. So it depends on the type of plant. Um, it can be two to three weeks before they actually attach to the root system and start doing their thing. Um, but the plant is able to access water and nutrients it normally can't. Um, and that plant then grows a little bit better. There's definitely uh, darker green uh, when the plants are growing. So the color color is a little bit deeper. Um, they tend to have more flowers and more fruiting. Uh, they're, you know, vegetables. Um, there are, there's also uh, reduced transplant shock uh, for plants. So if a consumer takes a plant and puts it in the ground, it's, it's going to survive better and, and acclimate faster to, you know, the garden when you go to plant it. Um, there's, um, Mycorrhizae also uh, work well for certain types of plants if there is a very low nutrition or very high nutrition, like high EC, low C, EC, I say salt content. So um, the, the mycorrhizae can regulate some of that for the plant root system. So uh, overall, what this results in a better performing plant because the mycorrhizae basically work as a, a pathway for the root system to grab that water and nutrients and in turn the plant gives back, you know, it's able to access certain nutrients and micronutrients for the plant where the mycorrhizae then take the carbon and, and you know, the, the sugar and starches that come back from, from the plant. Now, biofungicide, as I described, that actually is uh, basically when it gets to the root system, it's filming, uh, forming a biofilm around that root. So, and along the mycorrhizae as well. So what that does is uh, it produces, um, uh, a biofilm around there that suppresses some of those pathogens. So you see less instance of, you know, fusarium, rhizoctonia, and um, pythium. So those we know are the big ones for rooting problems. Now, bio, the biofungicide, the bacillus that we use is bacillus uh, 
Pomelis, there's specific isolates, uh, uh, one we call, it's PTB 180, which is Premier Tech Bi Biotechnologies 180 is the isolate. With the mycorrhizae, it's PTB 297. So these are the isolates that we produced. So um, getting back to the biofungicide, um, it, it reacts much faster with the plant, interacts with the plant faster. So we can see within 24 to 48 hours that actually colonizes the root system. Bacteria we know are more robust. Um, they you know, act very quickly. And I know we get a lot of questions too sometimes about, you know, what is something going to kill this? Is it going to kill the biologicals? And uh, they're actually quite robust. We, we've tested lots of different types of chemicals. Um, we know that um, bacteria, we've tried, uh, I don't want to name, you know, types of products, but um, there's some that, you know, obviously you can't use something like a bactericide, but it, it's really fair game for anything else. Uh, in the past, we, we'd see some, uh, you know, problems with mycorrhizae years ago with certain organophosphates. A lot of them are off the market today. So that's not so much an issue anymore. We do get some questions sometimes about phosphorus because phosphorus can limit mycorrhizae development sometimes, but it's all, it's all about the, not the, uh, the P205 or PO4 of phosphate. It's more about the elemental P that's available. So you can actually go up, um, up, over you know 25 parts per million, um, and it, it's not something it would have to be like a constant thing to to kind of you know put the mycorrhizae into dormancy. But it doesn't. Uh, we don't see a lot of high phosphorus fertilizers anymore. Years ago, the thought was well, a lot of phosphorus, more roots, you know. And we don't uh, see a lot of a lot of the fertilizers today are lower phosphorus, and you'd have to be at a very high application rate to be you know um, problematic for mycorrhizae and it would have to be a constant treatment of, of something to to actually put them into dormancy so uh, there's not much that really causes problems for any of these microorganisms but the the benefit is that you can use them with a lot of your, your ipm program and the benefit of having it in the you know the growing media from the start you plant the day you plant it's there and um you know the, these things are are working for you um and you know we've seen a lot of growers where um maybe before they were doing a lot of drenches for fungicides, you know, two or three drenches. Now they still put one on, to, you know, we usually say, don't, don't get away from all of them if you want to put one on um, to prevent. But um, we have some growers that just eliminated the drenches of, of fungicides and, you know, that's a big savings for them. So the cost uh, now, of course, the microorganisms and putting it in there, they're, they're not for free. Um, there is a cost associated with that, but the cost of those in the growing media is, you know, is much lower than the cost of applying, you know, some type of chemical fungicide. And the, and the other benefit is, of course, that you, you, you look at runoff, you look at uh, exposure to workers. There's no REI with these. Um, they're, you know, safe to use. Um, there's, you know, we do require that you, you should wear a mask, but, you know, everybody, like I said, everybody's wearing a mask today anyway, but um, it's more for the the particles, the dust and uh, and sort that you, you find with growing media, you know, perlite particles and things. I mean, you should be wearing a mask anyway if you're using you know, any type of uh, potting media, if it gets, becomes airborne and dried out. So I, I, that's a really, really good explanation. You know, you talked about the increased flowering, increased fruiting, reduction of transplant shock, balancing the EC as benefits of the mycorrhizae. And, uh, and then really that, that suppression of pathogens with the biofungicide, I think um, it does make a lot of sense uh, that, that these products are coming to market and, and are being tested and trialed at, at greenhouses. And I, and I've personally talked to growers who've had good success, um, with these type of products and, uh, and actually swear by them. So, um, I really, 
really appreciate all of your time. This has been a lot of fun. It's been very educational for me, and I'm sure it will be for the listeners as well. Um, before we uh, before we get out of here, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your team? Because I find I found the fact when when you took me through your team and how many different um, different folks you have out there working with growers and 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 how incredibly knowledgeable they are. Um, the grower services team at Premier Tech and ProMix really seems uh, seems like 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 great folks out there and really good resources for growers, um, very hands-on. Um, can you talk a little bit about that team and maybe, maybe let the listeners know how they can reach out and get in touch to follow up on, on what we've learned about today? Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, the, the grower services team, we have a team of seven uh, people in our team and it covers um, all North America. So Canada, US, Mexico. Um, the team um, is schooled in, in uh, horticulture, horticulture sciences, um, masters, PhDs, uh, bachelors. They they all have different degrees um, in, in that, and uh, which uh, really benefits that they've all worked in the industry. Um, so they've been growers. They worked at uh, commercial greenhouses. Um, they really know the in, ins and out. Um, you know, we do work with growers all the time. It's uh, uh, the bottom line is we, we want people to achieve the best results with our growing media. Growing media is just part of the equation of growing plants. We know you have fertilizers, you have water quality, you have, you know, your environment, your greenhouse, you know, growing media, um, you know, is, is where it all starts when you plant, right? So when you put that in, um, we also offer some laboratory services to support you know, our products to help growers. So we want them to achieve the best results possible for their for their plants. And that's that's a sense of uh, accomplishment for us as a team. It's a sense of pride in, you know, in the products we stand behind what we sell. Um, but we, we want the growers to have the best experience possible. So um, I would say is that the, the easiest way to reach out is you can go on our, our, our website. It's uh, www.pthorticulture.com. And you can actually chat with any of us. There's a chat um, window that'll come up. Um, I would say that you can go into the grower services um, section of, of our website. And uh, we also have a, uh, a bunch of different types of articles uh, and, you know, about what we're talking today, there's some articles on there, explain all this. If you want to you know, learn more about tripartite, it's in there. If you want to learn about mycorrhizae, you want to learn about, you know, maybe you want to learn about nitrogen specifically, you know, what does it do, do for plants? What do the different elements do? We have these, um, you know, fertilizers, we have alkalinity, uh, explanation of that, water quality, all that's on our website. And again, it's while we're selling growing media, these are all parts, you know, that's all part of the equation. So we're trying to, you know, help growers. Uh, unfortunately, there used to be a lot of good information years ago that came out. Um, and we got a lot of things from extension service. We know that a lot of them are really pressed and, you know, with COVID and everything, not everybody's out to seeing everybody. But, um, you know, we've been doing this for a long time on our website. So we have a lot of people that come to us and uh, they like, you know, what we have to offer on there. So we've become a resource for a lot of growers too. So yeah, you can go on the website, check it. And like I said, if you want to chat with somebody, you can reach them, you know, through the, uh, the chat and uh, their name will come up. Um, we also, you know, of course, the email and uh, our, each, each of our team members are featured on the website. So you can see a little profile of them and you can click and you can get them by email too or call them if you'd like. That's awesome. And you guys really do cover all of North America. So uh, when you go on the website, find the, the, the person that's right for your area and uh, yeah, strike up a chat. I will put a link to your website uh, on, in the show notes. Um, and I do encourage uh, listeners to go and check out all the resources. I was looking at them yesterday and uh, 
you know, beware, you could be going down a rabbit hole because there's a lot of <laughs> well, info there. Well, I mentioned too, we have, I think there's about 35 different videos we have that are on YouTube links too. So you can link on all the, you know, we're on social media, we're in all those, because we also do a lot for consumer market too, which, you know, that's that's a whole nother discussion, <laughs> but, but there's a lot there. So yeah, you can go down a rabbit hole and get a lot of info. So, for sure. And I'm going to be sharing a lot of those videos uh, in our in our tech on demand newsletter as well in, in the future. Um, it's really, really good stuff. So, you know, Ed, thanks again for everything that you do uh, in horticulture. When I was uh, going through your bio, you know, you've been on just about every committee I can think of. You've been at the at, with all the shows and events on a, on a national platform. Um, you know, we're going to have to do this again because I know you've got a lot more to share. I don't want to go down the consumer uh side of things, but uh, maybe we can, maybe we can touch on it in the future, but there's a, there's a lot there. So uh, well, again, this year, you know, you so cult cultivates back. It's going to be, uh, you yes. know, they're saying it's going to be in person. So this is a good, good time to get, get together again. I know a lot of us been, you know, waiting to, to see people and get together. And, you know, I know this definitely been peculiar or strange times the last year. So now hopefully we will get back to what we call our norm and, um, uh, should be uh you know cultivate looking forward to the event coming for sure for sure stop by the premier tech booth and uh and and, and ask ed all your questions because i'm sure he'll have answers for you so ed thank you very much and uh take and take care yeah bill thank you very much and it, it was a pleasure being uh, being part of this today thank you very much excellent i'm bill calkins with the tech on demand podcast brought to you by grower talks wishing you a fantastic season uh good luck out there